we are living so in take an a age that is riddled with fear, suspicion, and uncertainty. It seems to me that everyone has an opinion about the way you should live your life. And when someone else has an opinion about the way you should live your life, it raises your anxiety. Person after person after person that I speak with is consumed with self-doubt. We question ourselves. We question uh, how we feel in a given moment. We question what we should do in a given moment. We question ourselves. We live in an age that is riddled with fear and suspicion and uncertainty. And on top of that, you add to the fact that it's 2021 and we say, what's the future hold for us? We have so many questions about what the future has for us. What's the future going to look like this year as we face this, this new year? What's going to happen with the inauguration week? We just prayed a moment ago. Someone asked us to pray for, for nonviolence, violence at the inauguration. We're concerned about that. We, we're concerned about the vaccine. How quickly can we get it? Will the vaccine work? How well will it work? What's it going to do for our lives? How's it going to change the quality of our lives? We don't know the answer to these questions. What's your role? What's my role in the, the current state of affairs where we look outside of our doors, we glance outside of our windows or watch the news on TV and we see hatred and violence and anger. We see racism. We see pain. All of that everywhere. How do you share your thoughts and how do you share your ideas in such a climate? We've turned the page on the calendar. A new decade has begun and many of us are wondering, how can I ever win in 2021? How can you win in such a year? One of the biggest challenges I see us facing as a community and as a world is that of respect. We've lost the ability to respect one another. We don't seem to respect each other. The rule of thumb seems to be if, if, if I like what you have to say, then, then I agree with you and you and I can be friends. But if I don't like what you say, if something that you say offends me or, or hurts me in some way, if I disagree with you, if you say the opposite of, of what I believe, then I don't want to hear what you have to say. And, and we can't get along. We can't be in the same space. In fact, if you say something that's against me, I'm going to shut you down. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ignore you. I'm going to cancel you out of my life. I'm going to unfriend you. Does this sound familiar? I hear this way too often these days. There has to be a way for us to stand up for what we believe and still respect the humanity of the people around us. This past week, I heard a story. And the church, by the way, is not immune to this. I heard a story about a church. And the church was talking about COVID and it was talking about coming back to church. And the church said to its members, it said, listen, if you can go to Walmart, you should be able to come back to church. And as I heard that, I thought, well, I think the church is trying to be encouraging. I think the church is, is trying to find a way to encourage its membership to come back. But, but as I listen to that, there's a subtlety there that I really didn't like. I hear judgment. Right? If you do this, well, then you should do that. You should be able to. You should, you should, you should. The church was essentially saying, well, if you do this, you should be able to do that. And it's like they were saying, you're a bad person if you go to Walmart, but you know, if you don't go to church, that makes you a bad person. There's a judgment there. There's a disrespect going on, and I don't find that attractive. And so I heard that in the church this past week. I, I see this, 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 this discrepancy happening in social media all the time. People share openly with strangers. They will share openly with strangers about something their family did that bothered them. 
family and friends, they did something that bothered them, and so they will share openly about how they unfriended a family or friend on Facebook or in social media because of something that person said or did that was offensive to them. Right? I hear statements, and you probably hear it too. I can't be friends with you anymore because of that statement. In town, I watch and I listen. I watch and I listen to the parents of our town as they are literally, the, the term is, socially engineering the friendships that their kids are having. It's this idea where the parents are kind of involved in the friendships, making sure that their kids get with the right kids. Now, that's always happened. Parents have always paid attention, and, and rightly they should pay attention to the friends that their kids are making. But there seems to be this, this upper echelon level where people are, are bringing it to a level of engineering the friendships. From an early age, we see that families are determining which friends are, are the more popular or which group is, is, the, is the kind of higher echelon, as I said a moment ago. And we connect with those people in, in that group. I, I see it happening in elementary school where families, some families are considered acceptable and some families are not considered acceptable. And, and I hear comments like from parents, well, it's okay for our kids to, to get together, but we don't want our kids to you know, kind of go with those kids. There's this social engineering going on. And so people are saying, hey, no play date for you. Can't do that. Families are becoming divided. Friendships are becoming strained. It seems that uh, we're treating each other not with the grace that we've received, but there's no longer respect as the norm. Right now, we're living in a time where if you and I agree on something, we can be friends. But if we disagree, if you don't agree with me, then I can't be your friend. And, and there has to be a better way. People on the left and the right, ideologically, religiously, and politically, are weighing in on this topic. And they're speaking out and they're saying something has to change here. Something has to, to be different going forward. We have to find a way to communicate with each other in a better way and treat each other better. There's an article I read this past week in Vox Media Magazine. And um, the reporter's name is Aja Romano. And she interviewed a, uh, a man named Aaron Rose. And Mr. Rose is a corporate diversity and inclusion consultant. He's a corporate diversity and inclusion consultant. And in the interview, he went on to identify himself. He said, I'm, I'm typically a progressive when it comes to inclusion and working with people, people who participate. And he said, for a long time, I was participating in the call out and cancel culture. He said, I was a part of that. But now, he says, I, I focus on objectives like conflict transformation, motivated by the question, how do we truly communicate and treat each other like humans? He went on to say, Main, mainstream internet activism is a lot like calling out and blaming and shaming, he told Vox in an email. <clears throat> we have to get honest with ourselves about whether calling out and canceling gives us more than just a short-term short -term release of cathartic anger. We have to address that as a culture. And so as we turn the page, as we enter this new decade, as we begin this new year, let's ask ourselves, what is our role as Christians? What is our role as people who follow Jesus? What is our role as light bearers in this culture? Many of us, a couple of weeks ago at Christmas, Christmas Eve service, we, we stood up together wherever, wherever you were in your home or maybe you were on your couch, but you had a candle in your hand. And together we sang Silent Night and we lit the candle and we held the candle. We sang those wonderful songs of that great hymn. And we took into account the light 
of love and light of life that has entered into the world because of Jesus Christ. That's what we did when we held that candle. The light started at the Christ candle and it emanated out. The light was given from Jesus and goes out from candle to candle to candle into our lives. And as we received the message of God's love for everyone, our job was to turn and to give that love to others, to pass that responsibility and that light off into the world. How do we do that and win in 2021? That's the question. This morning, I want to help answer that question. And I want us to look at a story of Jesus in the Bible. I want us to examine a story in Jesus. He's just starting out ministry in this story. We're going to be looking at uh, the Gospel of Luke, and he's just starting out here. And I want you to observe, as you read this story, I want you to observe two two observations, I guess, of, of how Jesus responded to people in his culture, in his day. And I want you to specifically pay attention to what did Jesus do when people liked what he had to say, and what did Jesus do when people didn't like what he had to say, when they were angry by what he said? All right, so you're going to pay attention to how Jesus responds to when people like him and to when people don't like him. And so let's, uh, let's turn to that. But let's pray before we go there. We're going to look at Luke uh, chapter 4 today. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of every new day. I thank you for this message today that uh, speaks to my heart and speaks hopefully to all of our hearts as we are trying to navigate into this new year. God, speak to us in our tired bodies and our tired minds uh, and, and enlighten us, Lord, we pray. All this we ask by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. That's where we're going to be picking up this story. And again, I remind you, look at how Jesus responded to the people when they liked what he had to say and when he, they didn't like what he had to say. Okay, so Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him uh, spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where this is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set free, and that the name of the Lord's favor has come, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Then Jesus rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and all eyes in the synagogue were upon him intently. And then he began to speak to them. The scripture that you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son, the carpenter? Then he added, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time. And when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy at the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. 
When they heard this, the people of the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and they forced him to the edge of the cliff where the town was built upon. And they intended to push him off the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and he went on his way. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God that we have this record in our lives. What did Jesus do when the people liked what he had to say? When the people thought that he was who they wanted him to be, when we read the scripture, we see that everyone was happy in the synagogue. Everyone in his hometown was happy when Jesus showed up to read the scriptures. Everyone spoke well of him and, and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. That's what verse 22 says. They heard all about Jesus, and, and now here he was back in his hometown, and he was like a celebrity in their midst. It was like, hey, here's my guy. Here's Jesus. He's, he's the guy who grew up here. He's our guy. And the people of the synagogue, they saw Jesus as this celebrity. He'd been out in the world. He'd been talking and sharing. He'd been doing miracles. And, and people were really excited. And here Jesus was becoming well-known throughout the land. And they wanted him to be as close as possible. They brought him back in to the synagogue. They brought him back into the hometown. And everyone draped their arms around him and just were so excited that he was there. They couldn't wait to see what he was going to do next and, and just see the fame that was going to come into their lives because of him. And so then when Jesus, uh, when, when they thought that Jesus was going to get them what they wanted, that he would do everything that they wanted him to do and, and who they wanted him to be, they were happy. They were happy because he thought like them and acted like them and said the words that they wanted him to say. And everything was fine. Everyone spoke well of him. They were amazed by his gracious words, as it says. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. Look now what happens when they became angry at what Jesus said, right? Because Jesus didn't just let it rest there. He spoke into their lives and he stood up and said that he wasn't going to be who they thought he should be. And he wasn't going to do what they thought he should do. He said, I have a different plan, which doesn't go along with the celebrity mindset that you have in mind. Like the prophets of old, I'm coming to more than just my hometown. I'm, I'm meant to go out into the world to go farther than where we are here. I'm going to go out and bring love into the entire world, is what Jesus is saying. And that plan surprised and it angered the crowd. So much so that they didn't just unfriend him. They tried to cancel him out permanently. They tried to kill him in the most permanent way, throw him off a cliff. What does Jesus do? Verse 39, uh, verses 29 and 30 of Luke chapter 4, if you want to look at this. They intended to push him off the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd, right through the crowd, and went on his way. As I stand here today, I have no idea exactly what that means. I honestly can't tell you what it means that Jesus passed through the crowd and went on his way. It could be that a miracle happened. The people were all angry and they were grabbing stuff and Jesus just went, somehow went right through the crowd. That's possible. He is God. I, I have no idea. But I tend to believe that what happened is the people were so overcome. They were so enraged with their anger at Jesus. They were so mad that they were grabbing him and pushing and shoving. And they're pushing him out to the, the edge of the cliff to kill him. And they were so focused on their anger and their frustration that at some point they let go of Jesus and they started wrestling with each other that they completely forgot about him. They were so angry. They missed uh, the whole reason for going out to that cliff. And instead, Jesus just walked through the crowd and he left the crowd behind. No matter how he did it, no matter what happened here, this is what I want us to take away this morning. If you're wondering how to win in 2021, or if you're wondering how to win in any time that you have a conflict in life with someone else, remember this, you win by being exactly who you are. 
You win in a conflicted situation by being who you are. Don't lose a sense of yourself in the midst of the chaos. One of my colleagues said it this way. This past week, we were talking about something completely unrelated, but he brought this up and I thought, man, I got to write this down because this is so profound and it speaks so much to what we're talking about here today. He said, whenever you are interacting with someone today, your job is to speak the truth. My job is to speak the truth. As we are are setting our sights on Jesus, as we're looking at him for the long game, as we're trying to be lights in the world, we're trying to sense the truth of God as he is revealing it to us. Your job and my job is to speak the truth. We're to do it in love. It must be seasoned with grace. We're supposed to do it tenderly. But our job is to speak the love of God, the, the, the truth of God in love. Speak as God speaks to you. And if someone else can't handle that, If someone else can't handle that truth, that isn't your responsibility. That's their responsibility. And that doesn't mean you go around beating people with your words. That's not what it says. In fact, as I said, with love and with grace, we are to speak the truth in love. But if someone else can't handle that, it's not your responsibility. So don't get mad. Don't get angry. Don't cancel people out. Don't get angry when others have a different opinion. Just be who you are before God. When the people were praising Jesus... When they were praising him, he didn't let their praise sway him. Do you notice that? He didn't let their praise get in in the way. He he didn't let it puff up his head. He stayed on message. They were praising him. He said, yeah, that's not really why I came. I came for a different reason. He stayed on message. He spoke the truth in love and he told the people, hey, I, I can't be the person that you want me to be. That's actually too small of a role. God has something bigger for me here. And when they didn't like that, they tried to cancel him because of his beliefs. His beliefs didn't match up with theirs. They tried to rub him out. But he didn't let it get to him. Right? Look at what Jesus did. He didn't get afraid. He didn't get anxious. He wasn't worried. He didn't react. He didn't retaliate. He simply left them where they were. He kept on moving. And he went on his way. And I think that's pretty good advice for us as we move into 2021. When I was in therapy years ago, my counselor taught me a phrase that has lived with me ever since. He said, Doug, he said, never let a praise go to your head or a criticism go to your heart. He said, make sure that when people give you a praise or a criticism, it just lives right in the middle section, but never let a praise go to your head because that's where it puffs you up and it makes you believe things about yourself that really aren't true. And it knocks you off center. And never let a criticism go to your heart. If somebody criticizes you, don't let it destroy you. Don't let it criticize your heart. Let it stay in the middle where it belongs. But never let a praise go to your head and a criticism go to your heart. Well, friends, we don't know what the new year is going to bring us. We know that we are living in interesting times. But the way you win in 2021 is to practice never letting a praise go to your head or a criticism go to your heart. If you can practice that every day, you're going to win 2021. Never let a praise go to your head or a criticism go to your heart. And so that way, you can be the best husband. You can be the best father. You can be the best mother. You can be the best daughter. You can be the best uh, wife. You can be the best friend or the best sister. You can be the best man. You can be the best woman. You can be the best person that God has created you to be, the best follower that you can be. Never let a praise go to your head or a criticism go to your heart. That is how you're going to win in 2021. Amen. Let's pray. 
God, it is uh, our prayer today that you would help us learn that lesson. Teach us, God, how to never let a praise go to our head or a criticism go to our heart. You are a God of amazing gifts. And Lord, we pray that in our our conflicts and in our disruption and in our fear and our suspicion and the anxiety and the hatred, God, in all of that that is so prevalent around us today, help us to be who we are and to trust you each and every day. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.